0: I want to introduce you to someone, his name is Tiny, Uh, he, is it up there, there's Tiny, at least that's what his friends call him, 6'1", 255 pounds of solid muscle, he loves three things, his wife and kids, weightlifting and muscle cars in that order, he works hard at manufacturing, he has a good reputation, he was a marine, Uh, no medals but a great patriot, he struggles with depression. He's a deep thinker. He loves to joke around, but he's mostly pretty serious and sometimes emotionally withdrawn. He's a great neighbor, would let you borrow anything, and is there to help you out when you need it. Tiny doesn't know God. Not hostile to religious things, just not any interest in God. One day, you're in the doctor's office waiting on somebody, and in walks Tiny, and he comes and he sits beside you. And he starts to talk to you. And he's friendly. He seems honest. He seems uh, unguarded. He seems sincere. Surprisingly, the conversation feels very natural. So soon enough, God opens a door in the conversation. And the spirit of God moves in you. And you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Tiny. And he listens intently. You invite him to church. You need to go, so you say goodbye. And Tiny gives A very genuine thank you. you pray for him that night. That Sunday, Tiny shows up right here. He comes right over to you with a big smile. And the first thing out of his mouth is, God changed me because of what you said. I don't really know what happened, but I'm not the same guy. I've confessed my sins to God. I've repented. I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ like you told me to do. And I came here this morning to ask you what I should do now. What would you tell this baby Christian to do? Jesus Christ lived a perfect life of obedience for Tiny, took all of Tiny's sin and bore the wrath of God for Tiny, died for Tiny, came back to life for Tiny, justified Tiny by grace through faith, sent the Holy Spirit to live in Tiny. Tiny is ready to go. So now what? Well, I'm going to give you four basic actions that you should tell this baby Christian to do, and he's fictional, by the way. They aren't all inclusive, but I'm going to highlight um, some fundamentals that encompass many other things, necessary things. And everything that I'm going to say needs more explanation that I can't give in this particular message, but my purpose is to be simple and straightforward. Each of these four actions is absolutely necessary for Tiny and every Christian to do. If even one action is not done faithfully, it will greatly, and I mean greatly, impede or hinder uh, strength and joy in God. These, these four actions explain in simple terms how someone pursues their greatest joy and pleasure in God. Here they are. Number one, study the Bible often. Number two, pray often. Number three, disciple others often. Number four, worship God with a good local church often. I want you to think of these four things as four cylinders in a four-cylinder engine. Each engine or action is a cylinder. They work together. If one cylinder misfires, it's a problem. It's a big problem. In an article titled, Is It Safe to Drive with a Misfiring Cylinder? Valerie Johnston wrote something that I think uh, nicely parallels what I'm trying to say. She said this, Driving with a misfiring cylinder is potentially dangerous because your vehicle can lose power. If you lose power while you are driving or a second or third cylinder goes out, this can cause you to get into a car accident potentially injuring you and others around you. Well, that's almost my sermon right there. These four fundamental actions are spiritual cylinders of power and endurance and joy. They're critical, absolutely critical, because through them we experience the grace and beauty and power and glory of God. Listen, anyone can sit in a car with no working cylinders and pretend. And pretend. But they're not going to move ahead. When these four cylinders fire in Tiny's life, they will be evidence that God's grace is at work in Tiny and he's going somewhere spiritually. This is evidence, this is assurance. They assure Tiny of God's grace and work in his life. So let's quickly hit the first three uh, because we need most of our time for number four. So number one, study the Bible often. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Tiny is a precious little sapling. And the Holy Spirit will work through the Bible, through Bible study, to grow tiny into a strong, fall, strong, healthy, and fruitful tree. Tiny must learn to delight in God's word as he meditates on it day and night, because it will be for him an ever-flowing stream of nourishment and refreshment and joy. It will prosper him. We don't want Tiny to study God's word so that he can cram a bunch of facts into his head. We we want Tiny to study scripture to encounter God and to be nourished and to be strengthened and to be mesmerized, blown away at the glory of God. And this is very important, to strive to obey all that he learns. To strive to obey all that he learns. Number two, pray often. Jesus told a parable in Luke uh, 18 of this widow who was incessantly pleading before a judge. And this was Jesus' point. That his disciples ought always to pray and not lose heart. Prayer fuels hope. Fuels hope. Paul told the Roman Corinthians... Corinth, I couldn't get this in practice and I can't get it now. Christians, Roman Christians, be constant in prayer... He mentioned praying at all times to the Ephesian Christians. He told the Colossian Christians, continue steadfastly in prayer. He told the Thessalonian Christians, pray without ceasing. And I think prayer includes praise, confession, pleading, thanksgiving, and most of all, it's communing with God. Prayer is communing with God. Tiny needs to commune with God in prayer so that his hope can endure. And so that Tiny knows that God will lovingly respond to him. Number three, disciple others often. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gave his disciples the command to make disciples. His command is directed, get this, to every Christian. Every Christian. Not just pastors, not just elders, not just seminary professors. Making disciples is Tiny's responsibility. And Jesus is with Tiny as he does it. Now, are baby Christians honestly supposed to make disciples? Really? Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever looked into the eyes of a new believer and saw the fire for Christ? Sometimes new believers totally put us long-termers to shame with their passion and energy for Christ. They have the Holy Spirit. They have the Bible. They have the whole armor of God. They have everything they need to make disciples. God enlisted Tiny. God armed Tiny. It is a war, and Tiny is fighting it. Of course he needs more training, but he's armed and he's empowered for the war And Tiny needs to believe that. Tiny will have no leave, no furlough from this spiritual war. The moment God made Tiny a Christian, God put Tiny on the front line of battle. You stand with Tiny on the front line, and you need each other, you need Tiny to take the hill of making disciples for God's glory. The war is Tiny's training ground. Disciple your wife and kids, Tiny. Disciple your friends, Tiny. We want Tiny to know how honorable, how compelling the mission that God has sent him on really is. And we want him to know that God is with him and we want him to know that the Holy Spirit will be his strength in battle. The victory belongs to the Lord. Folks, this is... is Basic Christianity Basic Christianity The fourth action is our focal point for this morning It contains six sub points uh, That help describe this And, And one of the most important things That Tiny needs to hear from you Is to get connected to a local church Number four Worship God with a good local church often In the Old Testament God dwelled ...and manifested his presence to his people in the temple. But when Jesus Christ came, all of the symbols of the temple were fulfilled in him. Christ is the true and eternal temple. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. We no longer need to go to Jerusalem to worship. We no longer need to go to a temple to worship. We need to go by faith to Jesus Christ alone. He is the true temple. He is our temple... Now, with that in mind, here's 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. And very interestingly, Paul was writing this to a local church. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Each of us is God's temple. But that's not Paul's point here. Because the you in these verses is plural. He's talking to all of them collectively. All the Christians in the local church in Corinth, as a collective whole, were God's temple. The place where God dwelled. The place where God is worshipped. The collective whole was in view. And right before these verses in verse 9, Paul called them God's buildings. The cumulative whole of the people in the local church is where God dwells. It is his worship space. In his second letter, Paul told the Corinthian church, for we are the temple of the living God. And Paul told the uh, Christians in the local church in Ephesus that they were being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I want to shout this next one, but I won't. A good local church is not a building. Someone give me an amen. Amen. It's not a building. It's a communing and gathered group of spirit-filled people who together are the temple of God. Together, they are the place of worship. Tiny is one of God's precious building blocks for his glorious place of worship Yes, individually, Tiny has the Holy Spirit inside of him. Absolutely. But the dwelling place of God and sanctuary is much larger than Tiny individually. It is inconceivable, completely inconceivable in the New Testament for a Christian not to be part of a local church. Completely inconceivable. Unheard of, won't find it. Because local churches are the temple of God, and each Christian is part of that building project. God dwells in the local church. God is worshiped in the local church. God is at work in the local church. God's glory shines in the local church. Understand what the local church is. The local church is a, is a local expression of the beautiful universal body of christ who is the true temple of god and a local church is where individual christians assemble to compose one temple to worship god along with the heavenly assembly right now we're not the only worshipers you understand that we're joining into something massive that we can't even see Spirit-filled and truthful worship that happens in a local church is a beautiful glimpse, a sweet taste of heaven. Revelation 21:22 says in reference to the celestial city, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb. Heaven is corporate worship. It's corporate worship in union with God and the local church reflects that, that taste. This is just the beginning, friends. Tiny must see the local church, oh man, not as a club. Not as a place to keep his name. It is a taste of heaven for tiny. It's where he will see most fully the glory of God and where joy will meet his heart and fill him with satisfaction in God because Christ is in the local church gathering. It will be imperfect for tiny. It won't be right. Something will be like, why isn't this just totally releasing to God? It will be imperfect, but it will be a beautiful and powerful for tiny as well. Could this be the reason why uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, which was addressed to a local church, encourages Christians like this? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now think about this. Why would God address most of the New Testament to local churches and give so much instruction about how Christians should interact with each other inside of the local church if God does not have a magnificent and glorious plan for Christians inside a local church? God has a glorious plan to reveal himself Through the word and worship and the love of the saints for each other, and to build into his people an indestructible joy through the local church. Please think about that. Before moving through these six sub points, let me just say that worship is more than these six things. There's a lot I'm not saying, uh, but it's not less than these things. Each of these six actions is not only commanded by God, uh, but effective to strengthen the faith of Christians and build in them indestructible joy. Number one, get baptized. This should probably be the first thing that we tell Tiny to do get baptized, which is worship, and it happens in the context of the local church. In obedience to God, Tiny should joyfully receive the sign and seal of the covenant of grace. His baptism assures him of all that he has in Christ and that he belongs to Christ, that he is a child of God. Jesus told his disciples to make disciples and to baptize those disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Tiny is a disciple of Jesus. Jesus. And so a basic step of faith and obedience is for Tiny to be baptized into the visible church. Number two, soak up Christ-centered expository preaching. Soak up Christ-centered expository preaching. Simply put, preaching is publicly announcing the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is worship. Jared C. Wilson from the Gospel Coalition says, quote, Preaching is proclamation that exalts, with a U, in the exposing of God's glory. John Piper says that preaching is expository exaltation. And I think these uh, these men mean... That preaching is heralding the gospel of Jesus Christ and explained through by explaining scripture while rejoicing in the verbal display of God's glory through scripture. Preaching is God's glory emanating through spoken words. The preacher rejoices in God as he proclaims the gospel and the people rejoice in God as they hear the gospel. Tiny needs to rejoice in God's glory proclaimed and explained to him. Here's what preaching does for Tiny. Listen carefully. Romans 1 says the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Tiny believes... 1 Corinthians 1 says Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, and we preach Christ crucified. That means when Christ and the cross are preached, preaching is the power to save Tiny, who's already saved. But, but follow me here, as 1 Corinthians 1.18 implies, Tiny is also being saved. And preaching is the power to strengthen tiny. Romans 13, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Tiny's faith will continue to grow. It will t- continue to come for him. Will continue to be built up in him through hearing the word of Christ preached. Now sermons are like meals. Since I'm the primary Sermoner here, I will let you know some of them are New York strip steak, some of them are boxed macaroni and cheese. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's just that's how it is. But you need to eat to live, you need to eat, keep eating. Part of worshiping God is eating up, soaking up Christ centered expository preaching in order to live. Number three receive the lord's supper do this in remembrance of me that's what jesus said I think we should listen to him god commands christians to take the lord's supper together often it's not the lord's supper is not an individualistic thing it's it's together in the context of a local church read 1 corinthians 11 it's corporate. It's in the context of a local church. And God graciously uses the Lord's Supper to strengthen the body of Christ. Whenever, this is so significant, whenever we are eating and drinking together, the Lord's Supper, we remember Christ and his cross. We, uh, God seals all the benefits of the cross to us through faith. We feast on Christ by faith and receive from him spiritual nourishment we are further impelled through the Lord's Supper to obey Christ. And we further enjoy the promise, and it's a promise, it's a guarantee, of communion with God and communion with each other. It's so significant. Something deeply spiritual happens in the Lord's Supper. As we taste, we commune with God. We commune with the Almighty God, and we commune with each other, with each other. It's so precious. Tiny is a part of that communion, so he should share in the Lord's Supper and have his faith strengthened by it. That's for him. It would be a very serious thing for Tiny to neglect the Lord's Supper and to not take it. Very serious. Not only would he be neglecting Christ, not only would, be he, would he be neglecting his greater joy in Christ, but he would be neglecting his brothers and sisters in Christ. There's another benefit for Tiny. The Lord's Supper reminds him of what Christ did to purchase him. And through faith, Tiny is assured of his true salvation in Christ. You see, an unbeliever, when they take the Lord's Supper, which they shouldn't be doing, but when they do, they eat and drink judgment upon themselves. But Tiny's different. When Tiny takes the Lord's Supper, he eats and drinks to be joyfully reminded that he truly belongs to Christ. This is basic Christianity. Number four partner with other believers. We looked at this in Philippians 1. The word koinonia is so important to know. It means fellowship or communion or partnership. Uh, Christians enjoy koinonia when they share and devote themselves to partnership in the gospel. Philippians 1.5 talks about koinonia in the gospel or partnership in the gospel. Tiny needs to partner with a local church to advance the gospel, have you ever noticed in Acts 2.42, which was, which was read for us this morning, it says that after they were baptized, these, these uh, newly converted baby Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the koinonia, the fellowship. Basically, because they were devoted to God, they devoted themselves to other believers. That, that was a mark that, yeah, I'm actually devoted to God because I'm devoted to you. This local church They committed themselves to live out The Christian faith with other believers Hebrews 13 16 says to Christians Who should be part of a local church Do not neglect To do good And koinonia To share what you have For such sacrifices are pleasing to God koinonia Involves sacrificing Yourself For the benefit of of others in your community of faith. And I think that good could include generous financial giving, sharing possessions, giving time, and deep friendship. It could include mutual uh, affection and encouragement. Tiny's faith will skyrocket when he enjoys more and more the koinonia of God's people. It grows in him... Um, a knowledge of how to partner in the gospel? He needs to know. Koinonia is joy for tiny. Number five, use your spiritual gifts. Listen closely to these three simple scriptures. Romans twelve six, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. 1 Peter 4, 10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. Last one, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Four simple things to notice about these verses. Number one, spiritual gifts are 100% unmerited grace from God. Number two, spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the amazing Holy Spirit. Number three, every single Christian has received at least one spiritual gift and is a steward of that gift. And number four, God commands every single Christian to use their spiritual gift to serve other believers in a local church for the common good. Did you hear that? Tiny possesses a supernatural gift. And he needs to use it. We all need Tiny to use his supernatural gift. It is for our good and for his good. He's a baby Christian, but he plays a vital role in our good. This is basic Christianity for tiny. When tiny uses his supernatural gift, understand what happens. This is awesome. I've tasted this. Have you tasted this? His joy increases because God is using him for his glory. And our joy increases because we can see the sovereign grace of God at work in tiny's life, and we are benefiting from it. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Tiny, as a new believer, can be absolutely confident that he has something to offer. He knows it on the authority of Scripture. He doesn't have to put in time for a while in order to be used of God to benefit people. No. He can be used of God the moment he is converted on. Used of God in a deep way. That's exciting for Tiny to know and to find out. Now, My dear son Andrew is eight months old. He does no laundry. (laughs) He cooks no meals, does no chores, draws no pictures, lions, giraffe, nothing for us. He he doesn't even tell us he loves us. Why doesn't the kid pull his weight? Come on, man. He does. He does pull his weight. Here's how Andrew spends time with us. His smile melts our hearts. His giggles give us joy. His babbles encourage us in his own little way. He is dependent on us, his family. And that makes us better because it inspires our responsibility to love and to care for him. Tiny might be a baby Christian, but he has something to offer every single one of us. Last sub point, number six, submit yourself to that good local church. It's not enough to tell Tiny, you got to go to church, man. That's not enough. That That is way falling short. It's way more than that. God is commanding Tiny to completely submit himself to a local church. Submission to a local church is one biblical command that has been greatly diminished and undermined, and quite frankly, vilified by Christians. So many professing Christians understand why submission is beautiful, because this, this won't make sense to wives submitting. It won't make sense to us submitting. It just won't make sense unless you get this point. Submission is beautiful. Here's why. Submission is beautiful because Jesus did it and commands it, period. Submission is beautiful because Jesus did it and commands it. When Tiny realizes that Jesus submitted himself to authority, he can see that his submission to a local church is a beautiful display of Christ-like submission to God. Jesus submitted himself to God's authority every single second of his life. But what we may miss is that Jesus Christ also submitted to Rome. He also submitted to Jewish law and his own imperfect, weak, prone to fail him, parents. After a little mix-up in Jerusalem, after Passover, when Jesus was 12, Luke 2.51 says that Jesus went down with Joseph and Mary and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Did you catch that? Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the eternal Son of God, the sinless Savior and Messiah, joyfully and willfully submitted himself to his imperfect prone to fail him, sinful parents, because because his greatest joy was simply obeying his father, submitting to his father. I will do it, God, because it pleases you, and that's all I need. That was his attitude all of his life. Now listen closely to what Jesus says about Christians and local churches Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Thus saith the Lord Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls and those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Thus saith the Lord. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of Christ. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Thus saith the Lord. And for every elder in a local church... Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Thus saith the Lord. Tiny may have had an abusive father and mother. Tiny might have hated his drill sergeant in the Marine Corps. Tiny might have been hurt by a local church. But Jesus Christ, the Lord, purchased Tiny by his own blood and now Tiny belongs to Christ and Tiny's master, Jesus Christ, commands him along with every other slave of Christ to submit himself to other Christians in a local church and to submit and obey the group of elders in that local church who will shepherd and care for his soul and will give Tiny a Christ-like example to follow. God tells Tiny in his word that it is to his advantage to do this. Tiny's advantage to obey and submit to and follow the leadership of godly local church elders why would Tiny want to do any of this? Why? For the glory of his master and Lord and for his greatest joy in obeying all that his master has told him to do. Tiny should, please hear me very carefully because if you know I'm one of the elders here and now you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I can hear what you're saying. Biblical authority, thus says it. the Lord. Please listen. Tiny should never blindly follow anyone. Never break God's commands in order to honor the commandments of men. Never passively go along with the flow if his leaders are leading him away from God. Never be passive. Never just sit there. Never be unwise, foolish, indecisive, uh, visionless, undiscerning, indiscriminating, or steamrolled. But instead, Tiny should test and discern it. Everything according to God's word. He should hold his imperfect church along with its imperfect leaders accountable to God's word. That's what he should do. And the moment his local church abandons the gospel, he should find another local church. Because there are incredible Godly leaders leading people To find their greatest joy and pleasure in Jesus Christ Above all things to the glory and worship of God And those leaders are out there Those leaders are in our community Those leaders are in our state They're in our nation They're around the world And they're working stinking hard To see people treasure Christ They're doing it for Christ's sake Tiny needs to know that God believes that it is in His best interest to live beneath the care and shepherding and leadership of a plurality of elders. Not one man, unless that man is Jesus. A plurality of elders. He needs to know that the Holy Spirit wisely and lovingly set caring shepherds over him to know him, to feed him, to lead him, to protect him for his good. Tiny has to know that. Imperfect, but Christ-like leadership is fundamental to the Christian life. And if you took Tiny under your wing to nurture him, I hope you would tell him to study his Bible often, to pray often, to disciple others often, and to worship God with a good local church often. You could tell Tiny a whole bunch of great biblical things. But these four things would set him up for huge success. (laughs) Huge success. I've used fictional Tiny to challenge all of us. Every single one of these things is essential to Tiny, and every single one of these things is essential for you and essential for me. For every Christian, if all four of these cylinders are not firing in your life, you are in a dangerous place. That's not me, that's God. None of these things are upper level Christianity. Something that you've got to like, man, i got to be in this for you. You could be the most basic Christian, and this is, this is like right there. They are basic Christianity, baby steps, so... So may I challenge you, okay, out of love for the Savior. I think this challenge will help you apply this message, this sermon for God's glory and for your greatest joy in God. A faithful member of Jerusalem church is someone who confesses Christ publicly, commits to Jerusalem church, and lives out these four things with Jerusalem church. That's what a member is. That's what a member does. And next week, this is awesome, we are going to welcome new members into our koinonia. It's great. And that's very exciting. And this sermon is expected of every single one of our incoming new members. And the rest of us. There is no one that this does not apply to sitting here listening. And people that it applies to outside of this church who refuse to do these things here. This is what is expected of Christians. Membership is not about a name on a list or joining a club. It's about living out these things together as the body of Christ and as God commands. When when people become members and these four cylinders don't fire all at once, those Members are not obeying Christ. They're not loving the saints. And please listen very carefully because this is 100% true. They might not be part of the true and universal church of Jesus Christ. That, that is something to think about even though their name is on the local list. You, your name can be on the list. Are you living for Christ. We hold one another accountable to these things. You hold me accountable to these things. I hold you accountable to these things. You hold each other accountable to these things. We need each other. We do this together. It's not one person. It's all of us. And, and when this doesn't happen, it's so extremely concerning. And you can see it on the surface. Because it is so basic Christianity. When you don't see it, you're like, man, they don't even know. They don't even know that it's glaring that they're not walking with Christ. These four actions serve as a spiritual pulse test. So test yourself. Take your pulse, your spiritual pulse. These four actions are what we mean here by membership. That's, that's what we mean. But what we're finding that we have to, as elders, totally reconstruct what membership is because of all the poison that has gotten into people's mind of what they think membership is. We're working hard to, like... Copernican revolution this is what we're talking about not being a part of this list It is it has been very hard for for our elders. They're doing a great job Our membership process. Please listen. I'm almost there. You guys are great. I knew that it was going to be long, but so be it <laughs> Our membership process that we have we cannot give you chapter and verse, okay But it is simply a prudent prudent and practical way to identify who is committed to doing these things and who the elders are to shepherd in these things. So we have a process to say, get up in front and confirm your faith in Christ, and then we're going to ask you, like, can you commit to the church and let them know that they're committing, and then we know who we're supposed to pastor. God is calling you right now to do these things for his glory and for your greatest joy in him. Let's pray. Oh, God, you are so great because none of us understand any of this without the Holy Spirit. This will be completely stupid and irrelevant to our lives without your Holy Spirit breaking in and bringing truth to us and revival to us and a heart for you. So God, I just pray for your glory and for the joy of these people here. Oh, for their joy, their gladness, their rejoicing, their happiness, that they would listen to your commands and obey them. That they would study your word often and pray often and disciple others often and worship God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength along with a great local church like Jerusalem church. It's not even about Jerusalem church. People can go to many other churches that faithfully proclaim God's word, have faithful leaders who are leading them to the cross, leading them to the resurrection, excuse me, leading them to grace and joy in Christ. Would you build Jerusalem church, build our members, bring the members who are disconnected from this church and are not pulling their weight, their cylinders are not firing, bring them to repentance and faith. God, do it for your glory that we could be a sweet taste of heaven for many people, all for Christ's sake.